0: today's episode.
1: You get to choose your beliefs. They are running all the time. And so if you don't examine your beliefs, if if each day you're just like, nothing's ever going to work for me, I'm going to (laughs) die cold and alone and afraid. (laughs) Like, yeah, you probably will. You know, so you got to kind of actively choose who is the person I'm going to be. And I'm so grateful that I have to take on this additional work to get there because it's shaping me into that person and preparing me for that day. So um, I never got like demoralized when I had to do everything. It shaped everything in my reality.
0: Welcome to the Modern Author Podcast. Your host, Eric Eric Custer. Eric Custer. Do what you want to do and don't wait for a paycheck to do it. It's so obvious in many ways, but it's one of those things that I think most of us don't process. We keep waiting for permission. And that's why I love the conversation I got to have with Charlie Owen. Charlie is the author of Play It Away and Recession Proof Graduate. He also is the director of content at Scribe Media. And his story is something that I think all of us can relate to. Charlie graduated in the depths of the Great Recession, 2008-2009 and found himself stuck, not really sure of how to get a job that he didn't really even want, but also not really sure how to do what he did. And he found himself waiting, waiting for someone to say, yes, you can do this. And he sort of just stopped. Uh, He has an incredible story of how he was able to land an internship with Seth um, Godin, uh, with Ramit Sethi, and eventually work as the right-hand person of Tim Ferriss. Harley writes about all these stories and journeys in his book, Play It Away, And, and I think it was really powerful to hear his conversation, especially for any of us who do have creative aspirations. The idea of waiting for someone else to give you permission really means you might be waiting a long time. Uh, Charlie has been a big advocate for the belief of doing unpaid work to get where you want. And that's really the way that he was able to land jobs with Rummit and then eventually with Tim Ferriss by doing the work and then letting them realize the value and saying, hey, let me pay you for this. Uh, it was a fun conversation. And I think this idea of really being aspirational about who you want to work with. Uh, Charlie, when he was at that death point, he describes kind of crying in his parents' bathroom, thinking he's never going to find his path. He realizes that he needed to make his own path, his own journey, and he set his sights on Tim Ferriss. And it took several things, several moves, but once he did, suddenly it unlocked and he found his own path. Uh, I think I'd really enjoy the conversation and this idea of creating our own path by first starting with the who. Who are the people that we most want to get to know? How do we do work with them, for them, and around them that can demonstrate, create value first? And I think recognizing that every single opportunity is a chance to create a piece of work that someone else can see and ultimately realize the value you have. Uh, I'm excited to get you to hear from Charlie. He's a great person, someone who I think really has done a lot to help people think about this new kind of creative economy we have out there and I think you're gonna enjoy the conversation. So glad Charlie was able to stop by. Charlie Hone, uh, welcome to hearing his story about how you create your own path. Hello, hello, sir, how are you? Hey, Eric, good, how are you doing, sir? Doing great. Thank you so much for, for hanging out here, coming to us live from Colorado, right? Yes. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We appreciate it. I was, I was, as you were, as I was, I shared a bunch of stuff about you in advance, but I was prepping up. It feels having you on, and I was talking, as I was preparing for our discussion, I was reading uh, this book that you put out a few years ago, and and I have to say, it felt a little bit been there, done that, seen this movie before her a little bit here in terms of what you found back in 2008 and what we're seeing here in 2020. Excited to certainly dive in a little bit and thanks for hanging out. Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. I thought you've had a really interesting journey and I think in some ways it might be just good to go through this sort of start you had because if you there's a section of the book where you talk about it and you describe this moment where 2008, you're doing everything that they said, you get this degree, you're ready to go out in the world and tackle the world here and yet you find yourself on your parents' bathroom floor, having a nervous breakdown about the economy you've entered into. Describe for folks what it felt like to have this promise that you thought everyone was, you do the right things here, you get good grades, you get all the stuff here, and yet you walk through the world that sort of punches you in the mouth. What was that moment like for you?
1: I graduated in 2008, and so everything leading up to that point was like, okay, everything should go well as soon as I get out. And then the recession hit, earlier that year, like right before I was about to graduate. And so the company that I'd interned for three months, months—that they liked me and I did a good job. They were like, yeah, we can almost certainly get you a, a full-time job. They shut down. Really? And yeah, and, and so I was like, man. And so I had to try and figure something else out. And I found myself spending a few months applying to Back then, they didn't have one-click applications, so I was applying to over 100 jobs, and I got ignored by all of them, and so all the guys who are on Tinder in here know what that's like to, to be <laughs> messaging a bunch of places, and it's just disappearing into a black hole and not hearing back, right? And it, it was very demoralizing because the only two companies I heard back from, one was a staging company so it was like literally backbreaking labor moving staging equipment for musicians and the other was a pyramid scheme i was about to go do the interview and then i researched them and it was like no this is a scam don't do it (laughs) that was after months of trying my hardest or so i thought of this is what everybody else is doing wow the advice i was given just does not work straight up this is a horrible strategy that's not going to lead to anything and i'll never forget eric the moment that i really it really stood out in my mind was i was meeting up with a group of friends at a bar and we were all having drinks and one of them was super excited because they just landed a sales rep position at verizon wireless selling cell phones and i don't say that to as any sort of judgment or anything at all but i was in my head i was like I know what he just went through to get that job, yeah, which was six figures in student loans plus the months of applying to jobs that required a college degree and getting ignored. And now he's accepting this sales rep position. And so I just, that was, I think the night or <laughs> very close to that night where I, I laid on the bathroom, stared up at the ceiling and just felt like, I really felt like I'd been betrayed by everybody and that everything I'd been told was a lie and Mm -hmm. that it just straight up did not work. So I want to check in again with the group and does that resonate with you guys? Because that is absolutely exactly how I felt. Mononat says 100%. Savannah, Yes. Yeah, Leanne said I just finished grad school. I'm having a quarter life crisis. Isabel, yes. So yeah, it's um, it's a really common thing. And so my feeling was, it was like I I just spent 17 years in formal schooling settings, and so why would I just roll over and die (laughs) spiritually? That's how I felt. It was like if this doesn't work. I need to find out what does work. Right. And some of you are saying you're in grad school, wondering if it was the right move. That's what my parents were encouraging me to do. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I just did not see, it wasn't right for me, but I just didn't see during a recession, the, my credentials I just didn't think mattered. If I just spent all that time getting a degree, mm-hmm. I didn't, I I felt at risk if I was going to go get another one. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, yeah. So that led to me changing my strategy, which mm-hmm. we can get into, but I'll let you take this where you're No, no, square. it's great.
0: I think This is awesome. I think what you're, I hear it all the time. And I think exactly what you're feeling and what you're describing there is I think what, what was going on. And yet h- here you are, right? Like you, you have a very different path that happens from that one. You, you read all the people that you have these <laughs> people are like, you got to work with Tim Ferriss, you get to work with Rahman Sethi, you get to work with Seth Godin. And you, you do it because you say, all right, like, I tried it your way and that didn't work. And you essentially decided to think differently about, you talked about credentials versus building your own sort of portfolio of work. How did you make that mindset shift in saying, I got to create a different set of credentials that sort of work and will work today? What was the sort of the the, the kick that tipped you over that edge?
1: Yeah, so the turning point was, I'll never forget, I started, I, I had a conversation with my parents who, as I said, they were like, go get your MBA. My dad was like, just get a job as a landman in the oil and gas industry, mm-hmm. which again, I'm not judging, but it's I'm not that person. I don't want to give up on any of my dreams. I want to try. I told them, I'm going to just do the work that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And if I can get it to lead something, to lead to something in the next 60 days, and then I can go full steam. If I can't, if I fail, I'll go get a job as an oil landman.
0: Mm -hmm. And so that was my deal at the time. So you gave yourself a 60-day window. You put in like, this is my time. I'm going to make this commitment. And then how like disciplined were you in the plan? Is it like, here's 60 days and I'm going to do this? Or did you then go through and build out like, here's what the execution plan is on that window?
1: Yeah. I was not uh, super process oriented. I was more (laughs) just like, okay, what do, who do I really admire and respect? Who do I mm-hmm. want to work with? What type of person do I want to work with? And what can I do for them? And so I wasn't looking at job listings anymore because it's excruciatingly boring. Right. But also I was like, well, I'll just try and create a job if I can. So hmm. I started reaching out to... Entrepreneurs and authors initially, people who I knew were running a business or were doing work that I felt mattered. Mm-hmm. And one of the people was Ramit Sethi, who at the mm-hmm. time was a pretty, he was not a well known famous right. blogger like he is today. And I reached out to him and gosh, what did I, I, I remember his response more than I remember my email itself. And his response was, and pardon my language, he was like, holy shit, we definitely have to do something together. <laughs> and um, I was like, wow, never received a response like that from a company I applied to. What did I <laughs> Those do Those are not the form
0: responses from Monster.com or Builder, are they?
1: Right, yeah. And, and what I'd done was I just sent him a few ideas on what we could do together and, and what I could handle for him. And then I gave some proof of work. Hmm. And beyond that, what I did shortly after that was I gave him a free gift. I said, you're really good on video. I know you do speaking. You don't have a demo reel. I put one together based on stuff I found Hmm. for you or or of you on YouTube. And uh, he was impressed by that and impressed by some of the work that I'd
0: done. so, So how much being tactical on this one, you know, how much time did you spend then to, to obviously, that's not like trivial, but what would you say right. like you invested in him to give you some kind of a shot?
1: Um, a day of work, like maybe a half day. And then that's what I tell people is that my whole strategy is around, you don't apply to jobs. You come to people with a gift of value and you just give it to them without expectation. You say, I love what you're doing. You come from a sincere place. I love what you're doing. I believe in it. I also saw that you have some potential challenges you're running up into in your next level of growth for your company or where you're trying to go. Here's a solution, I believe, that you could implement. Mm -hmm. I can either do this for you because I'm skilled in this or I'm able to do it, or I've already done it for you. Here's the (laughs) gift. And so this is, I stumbled upon this strategy and the more Mm -hmm. I studied it, it was like Warren Buffett got his start this way. And I came across and talked to directly billionaires mm-hmm. uh, such as Michael Ovitz, the former mm-hmm. CEO of Disney. Mm-hmm. He, he told me, he was like, yeah, that's exactly how I started my career is mm-hmm. I came to them from a place of giving value. Mm-hmm. And the key mindset shift I realized was I stopped waiting for people to assign me work, which is what school conditions you to
0: do, Interesting. to
1: look to the authority. What do I do? Can you pay me first? Give me permission. I just stopped asking for permission and it was just went hmm. and I did it respectfully. Like I didn't come to them and say, Hey, I looked at your website. It sucks. I redesigned it. <laughs> like that's insulting. Right? Right. I came to it from a place of like sincere love and appreciation for yeah. what they were doing and saying, I want to see you succeed even more. Mm-hmm. I know what you're running up into here. Here's what you need to get to that next level. By the way, mm-hmm. if you ever need somebody that you can, that you want to partner up with or you Mm -hmm. want to work with on an ongoing basis, I'm your guy. Hmm. And that's what opened the keys to the kingdom. And that's what I teach people now is like, anybody can do that. And the hardest part is just changing your mindset and saying like, I saw this last night before we talked actually, Eric, is this guy wanted to work for Pixar. And Hmm. he, he wanted to be an animator or I can't remember if he wanted to be an animator or a storyteller, but he got rejected because of some formality, right? Like he's based in the UK, right? They don't sponsor people in the UK. And so he was like, so I decided to uh, make my own animated film hmm. and I wrote the story. I joined a Facebook group full of college student animators. I mess, I compiled a team of 30 people and I had Zoom calls with them where I showed them, here's what needs to happen next in the story. Here's what needs to get edited. And he made a film. He made his animated film. And the doors that opened for him are plenty. And so it's, it's really, yeah, Rick says this is, the ben, uh, this is timeless. Even back when Ben Franklin uh, right. was alive. It's, yeah, this is a timeless strategy. And it's really just stop waiting. Just yeah. go do what you want to do and give and don't wait for a paycheck.
0: Mm-hmm. you be so, waiting so several... a long time. <laughs> I think it's interesting about it too, right? Particularly in times of these, you know, there's lots of people searching and less people like wanting, finding. So how, how do you stand out? This idea of building a portfolio. So several people asked, and it's pro- not surprisingly, about Tim Ferriss, right? So you mm-hmm. get the chance to work with Tim on some pretty like in- incredible projects. Talk about how that relationship... And then also, I think that many people, many of us have seen our lives informed by Tim Ferriss's mindset in one way or another here. What were some of the things that you learned from getting the chance to to connect and collaborate?
1: Cool. So I'll answer the first one, which is like, how did that transpire? So the way it transpired, and by the way, if you want to work with a famous person or Mm -hmm. somebody who's exceptionally high profile, Mm -hmm. this strategy applies as well to you. I I worked with somebody recently who's like trying to work with Brene Brown, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, you can't. It's not a direct path. You have to triangulate. Mm -hmm. And so, I worked. That was my ultimate end goal Mm -hmm. at the time when I had just gotten out of college. I was like, I'm going to be his first full time uh, employee. I'm going to be his right hand guy. Mm -hmm. And and I just started by declaring that to myself, and I interpreted. This is really, I was really buying into my own like frame of reference. My, <laughs> yeah. You could say my own bullshit. Yeah. Uh, it, but I was, I was, I viewed every single opportunity, every single piece of work I did as this is moving me closer to that. So a big thing of it was like just having the belief in changing my identity hmm. from I'm a desperate college graduate who'll take anything to hmm. I know what I want. This is right. it everything I do moves me forward to it, even if it doesn't seem like it.
0: Mm-hmm. it. So that's, it plays a big role. Have you ever heard I don't know who Debbie Millman is? She's a de- designer and she always mm-hmm. describes, and I think this fits into this one, is you don't need more confidence. You need more courage because it's courage is what builds you into that confidence. But people say, I just need to be more confident. But you just need to, to try things to build that. And it's an interesting like mindset shift that sort of flips it around there that I think is really powerful because you did action to build confidence as opposed to belief to build confidence. It's a funny flip around on that one.
1: Yeah. It's like you get to choose your beliefs. They are running all the time. And so if you don't examine your beliefs, if each day you're just like, nothing's ever going to work for me. I'm Mm going to die (laughs) cold and alone and afraid. (laughs) Like, yeah, you probably will. So you got to actively choose who is the person I'm going to be. And I'm so grateful that I have to take on this additional work to get there because it's shaping me into that person right. and preparing me for that day. I never got demoralized when I had to do everything, it shaped everything in my reality that mm-hmm. belief. And then I really worked for a couple of people that he was friends with. Mm-hmm. I, I worked with Ramit. I, I was blogging at the time and mm-hmm. just blogging marketing ideas, which is. Have you guys all has anybody here taken strengths finder? I would highly recommend it uh, to anybody. It's just like what you got to know your strengths, right? Mm. Stick within your two or top two or three strengths and like just triple down on those. Mine was ideation. That was my number one. Mm. Uh, so I was just blogging marketing ideas. And mm. so I gained a tiny little audience. Yeah, strengths finder is great. Awesome. Yeah, I love strengths finder. And so, if you're showcasing, here's what I'm strong in, mm-hmm. it, it makes you more reputable and authoritative, even if you have no experience. Mm-hmm. I was just writing about, here are three marketing ideas for Comcast. Who am I? I'm that kid. <laughs> you know, like, I'm advising a billion-dollar company. Like, get out of here. But it gave me some authority mm-hmm. in that realm. And so, it gave me a leg to stand on. And even though some of my ideas were terrible, I gained a little bit of a following. And and one of those people was Tucker Max, who mm-hmm. he's a four-time New York Times bestselling author. Mm-hmm. At the time, he was making one of his books into a movie. He and I, I was his videographer on his movie tour. Hmm. And so at the time, I was doing a lot of marketing strategy, execution, video. And uh, this was 12 years ago. So video is, video is not the behemoth that it is today. Right. And... Because I had worked with a few people that Tim ran into, I Mm -hmm. think three people independently recommended me to him. I think Ramit was the only one who I explicitly asked, hey, would you be willing to make an introduction to Tim? Mm -hmm. I have some ideas for him. Mm -hmm. And, And so you can actually read, there's a blog post. If somebody wouldn't mind posting the link to this, I would appreciate it. It's the 12 lessons learned while marketing the four-hour body. Hmm. It's a post that I wrote, and on that post, in the first section, you can literally read the email exchange that I had with Tim Ferriss, the Hmm. very first exchanges that I had. And you can, yeah, thank you, Pat. I appreciate you posting that. So you can read the scripts in there of how we made that introduction. Hmm. And those emails aren't perfect, so don't copy them word for word. (laughs) I would change things for sure, but it, because I had those endorsements from people that Tim trusted, he, he was like, all right, let's do a trial run. Let's work together. We started off baby steps. Doing, I was doing menial tasks. Mm-hmm. And as I kept performing, that ramped up. Then he made me a full-time offer. And mm-hmm. then I was his right-hand guy. And all of a sudden, I went from being a miserable college grad uh, working (laughs) on my parents' ping pong table in the basement to sitting across from people who were changing the world. And Mm -hmm. again, it's if you ever want to work with a high profile person, Mm -hmm. you can't do it straight shot usually unless you have a ton of experience or really reputable endorsements. Mm -hmm. And so go work with people they already know and trust, Mm -hmm. do an outstanding job and then
0: get recommendations. So as you're executing on this strategy, because again, it's like you're playing chess while others are playing checkers, but everyone looks at you like you're playing video games, right? Like everyone around, like parents and stuff like that. How did you communicate that's going on? Because I think it's, so, you know, obviously I'm a big believer and that's how my whole career has happened in similar steps like that one. But I think it's hard to basically remain confident and push through that when everyone's telling you, go to graduate school, get your MBA degree. How do you push back on that? Or how do you communicate that to other people? So they don't think, what are you doing here? This is crazy.
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. Because the, you know, in a, in a, whenever you hear a summary of a story like this, I make it sound easy. Like, right. of course, it was inevitable to happen. But of course, that's not true. Like I dealt, not only did I screw up the very first assignment that Tim <laughs> gave me, and I thought, this dude's never gonna want to work with me again. <laughs> so I was already like, <laughs> I already blew it. Yeah, but I was on on a fairly regular basis getting pushback from my parents because I did a virtual internship with Seth Godin that 200 other people had signed up for mm. and so they were like what are you doing working for this random guy in New York we've never heard of yeah. on your computer remotely and and I said you guys don't know him he's very famous in the marketing like right. business people know this dude mm-hmm. and and I know that if I just stick with this, there's only going to be like five people left. And by the end of the internship, there were, I think, a dozen. And so a big part of it was I had enough. I knew enough other people who were like a little bit crazy, right? Who wanted who wanted, <laughs> right. who wanted yeah. similar things. Who unconventional, right? Crazy and unconventional.
0: Yeah.
1: I think. yeah. Unconventional. Yes. Thank you. And another part was like... I I would show them little successes that I had yeah. and so it, it became clear to them oh maybe this Seth Godin guy is somebody mm-hmm. when he posted mine and a dozen other interns PDFs our, our resumes basically on his blog and I got uh, I think 20 companies or employees reaching out to me wow. and asking like hey it, would you potentially want some work hmm. and be very clear about documenting my progress? Mm-hmm. And I would do it mm-hmm. on my blog. I would yep. show them. It was like, I had to have visual proof that I'm not nuts. And I was also <laughs> right, right. very clear about your strategy led me to this. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. If you have advice that, <laughs> that leads to the types of results I'm getting, yeah, then please tell me. And so uh, I'm it's, open just, to your it's suggestions.
0: Like, just they didn't work
1: so well yet. <laughs> and, and this is the thing about being unconventional is the conventional wisdom never works yeah. ever. Because yeah. if it did, we would all be rich. We would all have six packs. We would all mm-hmm. you know be happy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work. And right. so consistently, I talk to people who take the conventional paths of applying for jobs, approaching their career, and it doesn't work. I talk right. to people all the time who went in reactive mode after college, been in that career for five to 10 years, mm-hmm. and they're like, I don't know how I ended up here. I mm-hmm. cried yesterday in the bathroom for 20 yeah. minutes. Yep. And it's it's because we get out of college and there's this frantic rush to figure everything out and to get into something that pays the bills. Mm-hmm. And it's you're talking about the next at least the next two, three years of your life. Right. Why not take the time to really focus on a strategy that can actually get you there mm-hmm. instead of just doing what everybody else does? What are the statistics, Eric? Eighty percent of the workforce is unengaged and unfulfilled. Yeah. It's an insane number. Yeah, you don't want to be one of the walking dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's one in one in uh, one in nine people I think <laughs> are, are feeling that way. It's like pretty crazy that are yeah. like fulfilled or engaged. So then, so you get to play with these people, and, and like the people you're playing with are all those sort of folks that are in some way I would, I would call them the new model of success. Cause they they don't necessarily all go to the best schools. They don't like work at Goldman Sachs and yet they've made it here. If you could summarize maybe some of the things you learned working with some of these today's thought leaders, how would you tell people to, to learn that they can follow on that same path? Like to be the next Tim, Seth, I mean, how do you see them think differently about the world?
1: Hmm. I quite literally did a book on, on this, <laughs> uh, called Play for a Living, and I yep. did it because I so consistently observed it. Do any of you happen to follow Naval Ravikant? He was uh, one of the, I think he created AngelList. An investor, he's, in one, he's, one of my prior
0: companies, actually. Really? Yeah. That's and so, awesome. do, you, do you know Eric Jorgensen? So Eric Jorgensen wrote the uh, Almanac of Ravikant. Yes. Naval Ravikant. Yeah. Eric, Eric was my one of my first hires. <laughs> so, no like, way. Super small. World. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to have Eric come and talk about his work with Naval uh, on a future session here because I think it's so interesting how Eric connected with Naval. And anyway, interesting, similar, probably a similar story to you.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. No, it doesn't surprise me. Also, a brilliant guy. Mm-hmm. We published his book. I wish I found out recently. But the Naval has this point, which I agree with completely. It's like there are three ways to retire. Mm -hmm. And and the definition, by the way, of retirement is that today is complete in and of itself. You are not working for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You are fine with today. Mm -hmm. And so there are three ways in which you can do that. You can make a ton of money, right? Mm -hmm. By owning assets that build up your reserves over the lifetime, or you can take your burn rate to zero, right? Mm -hmm. You can become a monk, have zero expenses, or you can find what you love and enjoy Mm -hmm. it and put yourself in flow, and mm-hmm. the work in and of itself is complete, Interesting. and researchers have found that the highest levels of performance, right? Everybody talks about start with why, you gotta have a mission, you gotta have a purpose. Purpose is the second highest indicator of performance. Mm-hmm. Third is like pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Economic pressure, pressures at work, like people telling you to do things, outside mm-hmm. pressure. The highest performance indicator is play, is yeah. this fun? Is this mm. rewarding? Do mm. I have autonomy? Am I using my strengths to master this skill set? Mm. Am I playing with people that I respect and admire? Mm. And so the book I made, and I can get it for you and show you if you want, but it's I across it with the room, so. Yeah, is Play for a Living. And mm-hmm. it's I saw the highest performing individuals, including the people that I worked with, is they believe Life should be fun now, Mm -hmm. and your work is this vehicle. Mm -hmm. Alan Watts says it really well: "It's it's, don't for a minute think that work has to be serious; Mm -hmm. it it can be play." Mm -hmm. And so, if you can find play, this Mm -hmm. is where I think a lot of people get lost: is you're given the advice of just find what you're passionate about. (laughs) Right, right. I don't believe that. I think you need to the the three things that make up whether work is play or not Mm -hmm. is Can you master it, Mm -hmm. which is why it helps if you're doing something you're strong in, which is Mm -hmm. where StrengthsFinder comes in, right? Mm -hmm. Can you master this? Can you keep using it? Do you have autonomy? Mm -hmm. Do you have the freedom? Are you not being micromanaged? Do you Mm -hmm. have the freedom to play by your own rules and get Mm -hmm. things done based on how you wanna get them done? Mm And do you have relationships that you respect and admire? Hmm. If you have those three elements, you have an environment that can facilitate work is play for Hmm. you. So that's why I'm such a believer in not, I I call it giving a gift. I used to call it free work, Mm -hmm. which is the work should be enough in itself. Mm -hmm. And if you start with the paycheck, if you start with, am I getting my benefits covered? Am I blah, 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 all the stuff that you talk about in interviews, then you're setting yourself up to potentially be miserable. Right. Start with, with the work itself. Assign mm-hmm. yourself to work. That's mm-hmm. how I got into video and why right. I've been doing it for over a decade yeah. is because video was enough for me. I was mm-hmm. like, I love it. It's great. Yeah. It's so much fun. And I can't believe I get paid to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So,
0: yeah. And that kind of goes back to what you said before. If you do something before you ever work somewhere and you can say, hey, I did this and it, I didn't get paid for it. I just did it because I liked it. It mm-hmm. just... Self-fulfilling prophecy, where you test yourself beforehand. They know you have it. It's this again. The portfolio idea is a really an important one, um, in in a ton of different ways. So, you know, thank you so much for hanging out. I want to be respectful of your time here. So, I want to give one more question, and then certainly we'll we'll do our, our group photo here. That you get the important job of telling us what. So what are we going to do for your photo? Because it's an important one. So we had a hostage negotiator last week who had us doing calls. It was actually Chris's partner. a guy named Derek. So Chris is another. <laughs> so yes, it was Chris's, uh, Chris's partner, Derek. So today, it's this, this is a group here of authors that are working on books. You've written multiple of them. You've worked with lots of authors here. What are some of the principles that you would share with this group as they're going out here and trying to use some of these principles about Play as this idea of doing stuff you enjoy, about connecting with people differently. Any guidance you would give to people as an author who's gone through the cycle or others to make this process play like for them?
1: So, how do you make writing a book playful? Yeah. Interesting. What do you guys think? I just talked for a long time (laughs) And, 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 and about specifically don't for a second think work has to be serious. Yep. So, type in the chat. How could you make your book creation process more playful? I'm like curious this. what you guys have to say.
0: Because it's truly different for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think in, in this group, we have a group of people who are doing novels and sci-fi and people who are doing nonfiction and memoirs and poetry. So we've got a whole broad variety of folks that are doing different things. And so I guess maybe what have people found that is has made this play like and it's, it's interesting i would tell you the thing we, we always every week ask people questions we call it pulse checks and it's interesting i think the thing that is the ch- most challenging for people is time management that's by and large the thing that people have the most challenge with but it's different across the board what people like the most some people really like the research the interviewing the writing the tool building like there's a bunch of different things that everyone seems to enjoy the most but time management i think is the hardest for most people for sure
1: Totally. So let me read some of these answers. So Savannah said, allow it to be messy. Yeah, not worrying about making it perfect. If you guys are doing the scribe process, uh, part of what we endorse is called the vomit draft, which (laughs) is just get it out, man. Don't worry about it being pretty. Cool. Sam says scribe is making the process easier and fun. Mm -hmm. Pat, imagine potential scenarios with my characters without regarding what chapter is next. Yeah, totally. Play is about immersing yourself in the present and staying Mm -hmm. present. And so that's a principle of improv, which is basically play practice for grownups. And so, <laughs> yeah, think about it. Never staying, it that staying present. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and my apologies if I'm mispronouncing Juvencio. Enjoy what you write about. Yeah. Place yourself in the book. Yeah, totally. More than that, tell jokes. Ignore spelling and grammar and just tell the story. Yeah, if you're not entertained by your own writing, mm-hmm. who else is going to be? Yeah, that's true. Uh, your mom, maybe, but that might be it. <laughs> Akosua, by writing uh, a mediocre poem daily. Yeah, Dylan, agree. Allowing it to be messy. Shahara, keep telling stories. Putting myself in that mindset. Yeah, storytelling is play. Like it should be fun. Yeah, and the cool thing about telling stories is one of the one of my favorite exercises to do with or, or games to play with family and friends is this exercise it's a great icebreaker too with groups is it's called story time and each person takes a turn in going once upon a time and then they fill that in there was a man named blah 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 and every day the next person goes and every day they blah 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 mm-hmm. until one day Mm-hmm. And because of that, and because of that, and because yeah. of that, until finally, and ever since that day, that's Pixar. I think is famous now for using that as their storytelling story technique, story spine. Right? Yeah, yeah, the Pixar pitch, and so doing that multiple times and coming up with the most entertaining or most surprising, or even doing it with others and just cracking each other up makes it yeah. more fun. Love telling my chat about it with friends. Yes, let opinions flow right from the heart. I like talking to people, so interviewing is fun, making it, totally. So it's like, the more you can figure out how this is playful, the more contagious it can be. I I forget his name, but there's a book called, I think it's called A Mind at Play, Hmm. and it talks about this mathematician who he, and and maybe I'm mixing this up with Give and Take by Adam Grant, but there's a story of this mathematician who, Math seems like this innately isolating process, staring at a chalkboard and figuring stuff out. And what he would do is he would travel the country, meeting up with other mathematicians and work on problems with them. Mm -hmm. And he became this like famous, really uh, skilled mathematician because he made it fun for him and everybody else that he interacted with. So it's, you don't have to play by what you view Writers as, believe me, I've made the mistake of holding up in a cabin for six months by myself and reenacting the shining.
0: <laughs> you don't have
1: to do that. You can make this into a really fun process. Like one of the one of the happiest people I know is a guy named um, Sean. He's one of the most prolific authors on the planet. He's published, hmm. I think, at hundreds of books at this point wow. under various names. And the way he does it is he goes on walks and he records himself telling stories. Hmm. He never types a word, hmm. gets it transcribed, hands it off to an editor, publish, move on to the next one. Wow. One of the happiest dudes I've ever met. And he was miserable before he quit his job and became
0: a full-time author. So do what's going to be fun for you. There was a guy, what, his name's uh, James, is it pa- Patterson? Patty, Patterson? I think the he's... Uh... One of author. He, yeah, that's he basically does that he writes a yep. an 80 page outline. And I think last year, he made $80 million by writing outlines, hand them to ghostwriters, <laughs> publishing. Yeah. So
1: he doesn't write some of his stuff anymore, because he's very got little of it. Great write. people around. Yep. Him. And there's that famous concept of who not how, right? Yep. So making a list of every task that's required of you to finish the book mm-hmm. and saying, Am I proficient in this? And am I passionate in this? Mm-hmm. And if you're not both, you got to figure out somebody else who yeah, can help you with that. And so make it as fun as
0: possible. I love it. Well, Charlie, you have as well. Any last words of wisdom for this group here that is in, in various stages of writing books here? You've worked with lots and lots of authors, including your own and some prolific ones. Any last send off wisdom you want to send to the crew here?
1: I, w- I would say like this stuff can be difficult if you are doing it in isolation. And I think mm-hmm. you guys are in this group, which is great, so you're not totally isolated in the book writing process. If you, When you when and if you're in the process where you're like, I want to actually go for what I want in my career, if you want ongoing a, a community of people, I run a community, you'd be more than welcome to join. On Facebook, it's called Dream Jobs On Demand, just look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and apply or not apply,
0: I guess you just add yourself to the group and uh, you can see more of me on there. I love it. it. Charlie, thank you so much for hanging out with us. You have been, you are a mensch. And uh, and again, I think the book is certainly one, and it is fun. We had Taryn Southern, who you actually profiled in the book here uh, last week. So really? a lot of good names. So, the, so we had her last week talking about her story, which was great. But I think oh, you do awesome. a great job of telling a bunch of interesting stories that back up the teaching and the points you have. So I cannot recommend this book enough here. I've already sent it to about eight people just since I got it. So it's a good one, Charlie, for sure.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for the kind words, Eric. And thanks for uh, introducing me to, to your people. It was thanks. nice to connect with all of you. Thanks.